Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mbliwa Gavaza, and for today, we are going to be getting into what I think uh, will be a really great discussion around uh, the state of telecoms um, in South Africa. And we are joined by someone who has, uh, you know, I would imagine a very exciting and difficult job all at the same time. Uh, that is uh, Lunga CEO, who is uh, the CEO of uh, Telcom's Consumer Business. Um, I think more commonly we tend to know the, uh, Telcom Mobile. Yeah, that's the part of the business that we tend to know. And uh, we are in Centurion right now at uh, Telcom Park, which is their head office. And uh, just uh, talking to him around, uh, you know, what's going on. So for today, Lunga, greetings to you. Greetings to you too and your listeners. Thank you for having me. Now, thank you so much, you know, for being with us. Usually at this point in a discussion, we tend to ask our guests, you know, to tell us about their organizations and what do they do. Uh, but I think, you know, Telcom is one of those that doesn't really need an introduction. Yeah. So maybe what we can do is to get a sense of when we talk about, um, you know, Telcom consumer, yes. right? What are you actually, you know, looking after? Because um, people have, you know, Know, there's a general public perception of what telecom is. We know the mobile business, we know the fixed line business, um, etc. But for you, what are you looking after? Yeah, maybe just before I go there, right, just to paint a, a better picture for everyone to understand. So telecom is about four business units, right? There's telecom consumer small business, which is what I run. There's OpenServe, which is our infrastructure business. There's Gyro, that basically looks after our properties and uh, mobile towers. And, SwiftNet. and then there's BCX, which is our IT uh, sister company. In, essence. in consumer, I, I service three customer segments, right? Consumers directly. Uh, and then I service what I call small, medium enterprises, SMEs. And I also sell to some large enterprises. And the products that we sell to everyone is mobile, which is the one that's really well known. And we also sell fiber right, to, to consumers. For businesses, we largely sell fiber to those businesses, and then enterprises will sell what we call mobile services, right, in essence. And that's the core of the products that we sell to these. Over and above that, we try and complement those connectivity products with what I call over-the-top services. So, for instance, for consumers, we've got some content right, that we sell to, the, to consumers that they can buy directly from us. I mean, I'm talking videos, music, and, 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 right? Uh, for small businesses, over and above connectivity, we can basically wire up your own business. In essence, you sell PAP access that splits basically the calls that come into your business as well. And over and above that, we've started dappling into what I call cloud-based applications, right, for small businesses such as Zero, Zoho, and also some of the, you know, uh, what we call um, some softwares that actually protect your IT systems in essence. And largely, that's the business unit in essence. Mobile is very important. It's the larger part of the business. It's the consumers. That's where the exciting stuff is really happening and the challenges as well and opportunities uh, that you see in that space. Certainly a large part of the business. Um, we're recording this in the week that uh, Telcom has just reported first quarter results. Yes. Um, and I know that over 50% of you know uh, revenue for the quarter, I think, 
just over 5 billion rand or something like that is coming out just from the mobile business. business. Yeah. So, you know, really big chunk, um, you know, of the business. I want to zero in very quickly before I get onto the mobile properly. Um, the fiber part of what you're doing. Could you classify this as being an ISP? Yes, 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 absolutely. So maybe let's locate what we're doing, right? Back into the telco of the past, right? Which was largely fixed lines, right? And just a decade or so ago, we had a clear strategy of, because we could see the evolution, right? That people will, you know, mobile will take over the traditional phones in essence, right? But as telecom, because we're providing those services to these three different customers, consumers, small business and enterprise, and all of them are consuming the same service. So we started three new, let's call it product lines. So we started the mobile business, we bought BCX to start the IT business, and then we started building fiber in essence. And if you really locate us, you know, from that strategy, we've actually grown all three of those, right? And if we to try and, and replace the legacy revenues that came from the old fixed, right? Because we knew they were going to die at some point. And then if you go back to mobile, we've built a business, you know, from zero to about 18 million customers, right, in 10 years. And that's almost 22 billion worth of revenue. That's half of telecoms revenue, in essence. So in the last quarterly results, you are right. Half of that will come from mobile, which is... A highly contested space, but very exciting. <laughs> Let's talk about that highly contested space uh, because I started off saying that you probably have um, a very exciting and difficult job all at the same time uh, because um, I think for the last three to four years, Telcom has had the fastest growing mobile business um, in South Africa. Uh, but, you know, at the moment, at least from a perception point of view, we're hoping that you can, you know, either tell us whether we're reading the situation right or wrong. There is that uh, perception to say that growth has stalled in the mobile business. Is that, there, is that, really, the, is that really the case? Uh, because I'm pretty sure that this is something that um, you're probably tackling on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the guy, I'm the guy that comes, you know, at the time where the business is matured and it has to find a new growth spot, right? So mobile is not ex-growth, actually. There's still growth opportunities, but you have to create context, right, for these businesses. We started it yeah, more than 10 years ago, right, from no customers to 18 million customers and 21 billion worth of revenue, right? Close to about, you know, between 25 and 30% ABDA margins, you know, give or take. Now, think about product life cycles or business life cycles, right? You, you start and the only thing that can happen is you fail or you, you get a growth spurt, right? Which we've experienced a lot, which is the growth, right? Especially just before COVID, if you look into just the graph, the, the graph of that uh, mobile growth, right? It came just pre-COVID, right? At around 2019. And then you've got this phenomenal growth, you know, from 2018 or 19 to about 21, right? Which happened, right, at the back of all the efforts that we've put behind growing that business, right? Where we started expanding beyond just postpaid and going aggressive on prepaid, got a lot of customers. Now, it was always going to be difficult once you reach a certain market share, right, of over 15%, where now the current incumbent mobile operators will start noticing you. (laughs) <laughs> and devise strategies, right, to stop your growth. Yeah. And it got to a point where 
now we're at a mature stage where the same growth rate you won't experience, right? For a while up until you find another new source of growth, right? That you can see in the industry. So a couple of things have happened. COVID helped us to get there. To stay on the same revenue lines post-COVID, it's a task on its own. We've managed to do that and still actually grow better than the market from a customer acquisition point of view and also service revenue point of view. So we've actually been beating uh, you know, the growth of the actual market itself right, on mobile, quarter in, quarter out. right? If I look at the past four quarters, and that's what we've been able to do. And going forward, actually, the exciting part is that we're seeing that growth, you know, still coming through. Uh, we've changed tactics, right? And we're looking at different, let's call it regional opportunities, where we haven't been struck, where we can still fetch a lot more customers as well. Spectrum was, you know, auctioned. And people always say, yeah, now that the other players have got Spectrum, right, they can come back and attack you, you know, from a customer value proposition perspective. And the truth of the matter is we've slowed down, but they haven't shot up in their own growth spurts as well, right? So which means we're holding our line and our value propositions are still stacking up nicely in the market. And you can see the growth, right? From a matured business growing service revenue just the past quarter at 7% versus a market, you know, growth of about 2 to 3%. It's a, yeah, it's a strong fit in its own, right? For a couple of years, um, just reading, um, looking at the industry, I guess, uh, I, I'm going to call it an outside-in view, right? It sort of felt as if the strategy from Telcom, and I would say your competitor, Cell C, uh, was, a, was a pricing strategy, right? Because... Um, especially on data, because Telcom is always, I think Telcom, uh, at least over the last five or so years, has been strong on data and said, okay, fine, this is where we're going to go. And you come in and you attack the market on a pricing point of view. Is that still the strategy? Uh, or have you shifted that element as well? Yeah, I mean, if we're actually locating ourselves as a value player, right? If you ask me, it's not just about the price. It's actually about the value proposition that we're giving you. In the, in the earlier years, right, we would have said, you know, a price of a gig, right? You know, at, at some point, you know, our competitors were sitting at 150, 160, right? We went 84, right? They, they dropped eventually to about just under 80, 79 for a gig of data. We went in at the same price point, but now we gave you, we gave you more data, more value, right? Instead of one gig, we'll give you two. And then we moved beyond that to say, we'll give you five plus five. And then it became 10 plus 10, 15 plus 15. And so we've been playing with the value, right? Play, instead of dropping the price, hold the price, but give more value to customers. And we've been able to do that because of how we've built our own network. So because we're a late starter, we didn't build the 2G, 3G network. We went straight into 4G, in essence. And also because of the spectrum holding we had. So which means we started seeing that mobile voice will decrease and people will consume a lot more data because of the behaviors, right, that, that is changing in the market. So we're lucky that way that we foresaw this. We said, let's build a data-led network. Then the value proposition that we can bring into the market is giving you more data for a reasonable price. So I don't want to call it a pricing strategy. It's more about value because you're going to ask me what's next, right? It's extending on that value in essence, and I can share that later. Okay, cool. The 
It, it is a very interesting market to be looking at right now, um, and especially given the fact that um, we we seem to have, I guess, moved past um, the what you call this. Uh, I, I guess I would understand why critics would speak about the spectrum issue because once the spectrum was out, we saw the you know the, the prices did come down, and then at some point, I remember we did an analysis, and I think you know uh, the big four operators were sitting roughly at the same, with I think you guys uh, maybe three or four rand below, you know, on the what you call this. Uh, on the on the yes on the contested much contested one gig of data um you know for some time and now you know uh, it seems promotions uh, are more and more uh, becoming the the what you call this um the flavor of the day so the other piece then is to say do we still care about subscriber growth yeah absolutely and the reason I, okay and, and before you answer for me it's uh, there's so many sims in the market right are, are we still going? To, are we still? Are we still fighting this fight? You know when? The when yeah, the market share one. When there's like a hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen million of these things um, in the market, and it's also inefficient, right? It's also inefficient, and it's it's the industry construct, right? Where I call it a washing machine, right? In prepaid, right? Seems move around a lot. Now the game is changing. Actually, it's changing to what I call CVM, right? Where we are really do base management and try and keep you in the network for longer. We call it days on, on network, right? So how do we do that, right? So you start, and you said to me, when you look at pricing, comparably speaking, right, we're sort of similar in essence. That's what I call a headline price. Once we're inside the network, then everyone usually surfaces their own private pricing. You're, you have to subscribe to each network to actually get access to it, right? And we call it more nice. I think Vodacom calls it Vodacom for you and MTN is something else, right? We, we started it, actually. And the point is to say, we give you this price. As you come into the network, you start to see a whole lot, right? A whole lot more from a value perspective, depending on their behavior. As you buy more airtime, you possibly get a lot more value, in essence. And then by that, by, by us doing that, we're keeping you longer on the network right? and making... You know, some money for ourselves, but also providing the value right, that will make us, that will make you stick with us. So the game has to be there. It can't just be a game of acquiring, acquiring, acquiring. It's good to have a huge customer base because you can you have more opportunities, right, of making money out of that customer. And you have to balance the acquisition. So in the acquisition space, what we're doing is to start to talk about what we call quality of the customer. The customer that's going to give us you know, better arpus in essence. A customer that would want to stay with us longer and spend more money, but also get more value out of our own network. So it has to be the balance of two. As you say, it's a matured market. In any matured market, when you have so many things in the market, you've got to try and increase your share of the wallet within the customers that you have, right? Rather than try and gain big market share. Because as you grow your customer base, your arpus start to drop as well. Because you pick up customers that are spending less and less and less. So now we, we're changing the gears to become much more tactical, right? In finding opportunities in different regions and towns, even in the large urban areas where we haven't been strong from a market share perspective to increase our market share, but find those customers uh, that were largely 3G and convert them into 4G, which is now data, you know, uh, customers that use, utilize a lot of data. 
because we've got data propositions that might actually fit their own expectations. So it's a combination. It's a combination. You can't just go and acquire customers for the sake of acquiring them. <laughs> I like the fact that you, 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 you've you now gotten into the regional bit because you mentioned the word regional earlier on. And I was very keen to understand what does he mean by regional, but I guess now um, you've sort of alluded to it. So there's literally a localization type of strategy. Yeah. Okay. If 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 you're attacking, let's say, um, I spent a lot of time in the Eastern Cape, uh, in Grahamstown. How do you, how do you, how do you attack Grahamstown? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's a couple of you know tactics, right? We've we've sort of mapped out the whole of South Africa, right? We've mapped out our network, and you know we're also lucky that we roam on both, uh, you know, MTN and Vodafone, the large operators. So which means we can give a three to one. Right, a three-in-one type of network offering, in essence. So we'll go into. So we've analyzed that. We we'll look at the market opportunities in terms of the spend. You know how the market is constructed from informal, formal. You know how are people making money. Do you have retailers? Right. You, you talk about Gramstown. I'm sure in Gramstown you'll find a a spy, checkers, you know, a KFC. And when you really walk the streets, you realize the economy is booming. Right. Desktop exercises might not tell you that. So you need people in Grahamstown, right, that are closer to those communities and seeing what's happening to give you the data and the insights as to what's happening. And you actually then look at your network. Is it strong enough? And if it's not, you strengthen, you strengthen the network. Once you do that, then you get your ground game going, right, which is now let's go and acquire customers. We can either use our wholesalers on the streets, right, that are selling our SIM cards. We can use retailers formally and informal that are selling airtime to acquire those customers. And then we overlay that with marketing, right, which is now what I call demand generation, where we run promotions. We run promotions on the ground and acquire those customers. So that's it's, it's a simple go-to-market strategy in essence. And most organizations that are headquartered in Houghton do a lot of desktop exercises as to how the market looks like, right? <laughs> and there's you need been, to be on the ground. You have to be on the ground. There's been many small towns that have evolved over time. And you're seeing a lot of what I call migration of people from rural areas into the main centers, especially in the Eastern Cape, right? You see that in Free State, in KZN, Limbombo, Mbumalanga, Northwest. It's all the same. You won't see it in Houghton. You've got to get on the ground. So in essence, we'll set up you know, regional, local offices with representation from marketing, sales, and the network as well, because you need that combo to be able to, you know, to, to, to acquire those customers and service them. So that's how we're thinking about it. So, and we're seeing a whole lot of these opportunities in these small towns as well. So is our competitors, right? It also depends on which growth trajectory you are at and how you want to acquire those customers as an MNO. And we're seeing lots of opportunities for ourselves. I know that the main urban centers we're not looking at. Even in large urban centers such as Houghton, we're still seeing opportunities of growth in some areas. So we become tactical because you don't have unlimited capex, right, to deploy your network. You have to deploy your network and create demand for your products and then fetch those customers, you market, and also set up service structures as well to make sure that you can keep them in your own network. And that's the game. Um, on the network, uh, just to double-click on that one, a couple of years ago, what I understood Telcom strategy to be on um, the network was to say that um, 
as you said, you guys are roaming on Vodacom and MTN. Yeah. If you go into a particular area and you see, you know, increasing demand for Telcom's product, then that may justify you putting, going in and actually saying, let's put down our own, you know, network infrastructure there. Is that still the case? And the reason I ask is because when you talk to, uh, the analysts and the, you know, the fundies, they are now, you know, everyone seems to be um, advocating for network sharing and they're saying gone are the days of, you know, spending billions of rands on network towers and masts. Yeah, absolutely right. However, when you have demand of your own customers, we see market opportunities, right, and high-dense areas, right, and there is commercial value for you to actually deploy your own network. It's preferable that you have your own network, in essence. And we've been doing that, you're right. And in some instances, because of the economic opportunity, we'll deploy the network and then follow with fetching customers, right? And it justifies the business case. We've built our own network. We actually have over 7,500 towers across the country, right? So we have our own network. And we do roam, but it's, it's more. It's small and we've been trying to create capacity and coverage in our own network so that we can carry our own traffic. By doing that, you can also offer better value propositions, right? What I call all net in essence. Because sometimes you get on net, off net. What it means is when you are on, your, on our network, you get a lot more value, but when you're in a rooming area, you'll still get value, but it's not the same as value that you'd get if you're on, on our own network. So that has worked for us, you know, very well as well. Now, the evolution of that to a point where everyone is saying we need to go beyond the infrastructure plane as competed and compete at that level. We need to go up the value chain and compete at a customer service level because the infrastructure game is a zero sum game. I mean, if you look into our CapEx budgets just across the East, we probably spend close to 40 billion every year, right? And that has to change. And what we've seen as an evolution is what we call more uh, rent sharing, in essence, which is network sharing, in essence. We, we're exploring those opportunities. But you have to make sure, as you're getting into those conversations, you can still control the experience of your customers on your own network. So that involves, you know, the radio access network sharing, spectrum sharing, and, 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 right? And even if it has to come into play, it start regulating, uh, the, the rent sharing, uh, you know, agreements that are already happening, by the way, yeah. right? You, you know, you know, one that existed. So we need them to come into the play and actually regulate them. But as network operators, we're also realizing that, you know, just spending capex haphazardly and hoping that you're going to get your returns in a matured market is not efficient. There are opportunities, right? And everyone is talking to each other to see potentially how we can do it and evolve it. We've seen it in other markets as well. It's starting to shape uh, in Europe, Southeast Asia, even in the continent as well, even in South America, even in the States as well. It's starting to shape. But everyone is trying to figure out, once you do that, can you can you do that without losing the benefit of controlling your experience, the experience of your own customers? Because actually, network is the product, by the way. Right, what you buy as a gig of data is actually the network. So it is your product. That's your fig tree. You have to make sure that fig tree works very well. All right, being cognizant of your time, 
there's only one thing we can ask uh, left. I guess it will bring everything together because uh, of capex, because of networks, um, you know, infrastructure sharing, etc. Is uh, you know the elephant in the room of load shedding, right? This is something that every network operator is crying about right now. Um, everyone is spending billions, you know, trying to fortify their networks. Um, I think Ikasa just. Uh, yielded after some time around you know being able to share certain resources on network sites yeah um, you know just your thoughts around that and where where your thinking is because i'm pretty sure it's something that you're contending with on a daily basis we're seeing it in your results um every quarter that you guys are spending more and more uh to deal with this issue yeah yeah absolutely right you know every business needs certainty <laughs> And unfortunately, with load shedding, you don't get that certainty, right? Uh, I mean, we, we look at schedules daily, and they change every week, and you have to plan ahead, and it becomes difficult. So it's been really ravaging for our own businesses. Now, you have to keep the network up, network availability, because customers couldn't cave with load shedding or not. You know, they were... They want to do what they want to do with their phones. Either call people or consume stuff, right? They want to be on social. So you, you've got to find creative ways of keeping your network, you know, available. So which means you have to invest in batteries and then invest in generators and or solar. Now solar becomes difficult because the space might not be sufficient, right? Generators, then you start consuming a lot of diesel just to keep them up, right? So we're looking at a combination of generators and batteries and also we've been dealing with an issue of battery theft, right? How do we work with communities to secure some of our sites? Because you find yourself investing in security, uh, in securities to just secure your own sites and make sure that the batteries that we install don't get stolen. And we've seen a trend in the past, right? But it's becoming better and better. And I think as the industry as well, within our own industry body, we've been engaging on sharing what we call power backup. Because right now, if you go into a particular tower, and if there's four of us, you're going to see four sets of batteries or for diesel, you know, uh, generators. It's inefficient where we could be creating one backup power for everyone, right? And investing in that, it might, it will be very efficient for everyone. However, we could send off the fact that we might get into competition issues. So we've been engaging, right? The regulators around those issues as well. We have to deal with it because it's our daily occurrence, right? It's our daily challenges. I mean, we planned at a consistent stage four at some point with certain interventions and they worked. And then when we started moving to a consistent stage six, it changes the game. Now you have to plan differently and invest a lot more. And when you invest a lot more, it comes out of your own OPEX, right? And then you see your EBITDAs, you know, getting depressed. And it becomes difficult even if you've planned for this amount on a monthly basis, but you keep on spending more because... The load shedding stages changes, right? It's not consistent. But we've also been engaging, uh, you know, with government, uh, just around the Minister of Electricity as well, around some of our own requirements, right? And what can be done as an intervention, because communications is key, right, in the whole country. So, yeah, there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot that we can do, and we have to be creative how we do that, but it has to be efficient, right, so that it, it works commercially for, for, for the entire industry to make sure that we can keep uh, the network, you know, available. So, yeah, those are some of the things that we've been uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, exploring in essence. We, we're starting to see some green shoots 
right? From a network availability perspective with our investment in batteries, we've actually just built a a site out in Limbobo, uh, I think in Venda as well, which is basically uh, backed up by solar as well. Okay. It's a combination of solar, diesel, and batteries, right? I take it it's a bigger site. It's a bigger site. It's a bigger site, but we're looking at opportunities where you've got a small site can deploy the same solution as well, right? And in certain instances where there's rooftop uh, towers, can you plug in into the back, uh, the backup power of the, the actual building itself? We've got towers in our own exchanges, because we have to keep our exchanges at 100%, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So the backup power that you see those in the exchanges, and they, those can't things, go down. they can't go down, right? Not even for a second, actually. So those sites that are located exchanges, they always work, right? Because there's a sharing of energy. So the network, uh, the energy, the backup energy sharing, it's, it's starting to shape as a solution for the industry, if you ask me. Yeah. All right. So that's where we end off, you know, because we do need to let uh, Mr. CEO go. Uh, thank you so much uh, to Lunga, um, who is the CEO of uh, Telcom Consumer, giving us some thoughts um, into the state of the industry. Um, I think one of the big uh, messages and takeaways is to say that, um, you know, he sees um, growth. He says that, uh, you know, mobile is not X growth, uh, that uh, there's still, you know, a lot of room, um, you know, to expand. Uh, but but, you know, some of the metrics that have traditionally been measured, you know, maybe there needs to be some rethinking there. Um, and there were two particular points that I think were quite key. Firstly, um, he talks about the fact that, uh, you know, once you're on the network, we're talking about keeping you on the network um, because there tends to be a lot of churn. Um, and then at the same time, you know, how do you increase uh, the value that a person gets, um, you know, once they are on the network, you know, uh, I think we he mentioned uh, the term private pricing. You know, once you're once you're in the club, right? You you understand what's actually available. Um, you know, inside, and then obviously ending off talking about infrastructure because that is a huge discussion uh, that operators have to face. We definitely want to sit down with them. There is so much to talk about in the universe um, of telecoms in South Africa. But thank you so much, Nunga, for your time. Thank you very much, and also thank you to your listeners as well for having me today. Look forward to another engagement. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my Myself and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.